everyone. Welcome back to But What Will People Say? I'm your host, Disha Mazeppa, and this is a South Asian interracial relationship and lifestyle podcast. Welcome back for another episode. Y'all, we really made it through another year. Welcome to 2022. I don't know how you feel about it. I don't even know how I feel about it, but we're going to try to be optimistic. We made it through another year of this podcast, which is awesome. So welcome. Thanks for sticking around. If you're still here, you're a real OG. Um, one of my goals for this year is to connect more with this community. Um, I know on socials, I've been like so bad about like promoting the podcast, but I think I've also gotten really comfortable with like the fact that most of you guys are subscribed. So like your phone tells you when I release an episode, like, I don't need to do that. So if you have been tuning in, even though I haven't been talking about my own show, thanks so much for your support. Really appreciate it. Um, some new things in the new year, all of you Spotify listeners can leave a review now, which is an extremely long time coming. Um, I was always surprised Spotify didn't let you. I know on Apple iTunes at the end of this show, you always get the little reminder, like, leave a review on iTunes. Well, now... I get to ask all of you Spotify listeners to leave a review as well. And Spotify is really easy. They don't ask you to write anything. You literally just tap the five-star button or not if you maybe don't like this show, but maybe then don't leave a review. <laughs> um, but yeah, you just tap the stars and you get on with your life. So if you have been enjoying this show, if you are a Spotify user, please feel free to do that. So I'm just going to jump right in to this episode, the first one of the year. Um, and I know like this time of year is always that time where everyone's like super reflecty and like looking forward to the new year and setting all these goals and resolutions and things. And there's always like the irony of New Year's resolutions being things that like no one really sticks to. Um, sometimes it kind of feels like a joke, like people just make them because they know they're not going to follow through. But you know what? We're going to talk about following through on some smaller resolutions that I hope you guys can make with me or just a change in mindset. It's not so much goals and resolutions as it is just changing the way we look at the world, looking at things like money, family, culture, success, all of that. So that's what I'm talking about today. And one thing I really wanted to cover this year is money. So if you guys don't already know, I briefly mentioned it on socials that I wanted to work on some like money focused episodes for but what will people say? Because when you're in it, you are in an interracial relationship, like the biggest piece of advice people always give you before you're going to like tell your parents or whoever, it's like, make sure you're financially independent, make sure you're financially independent. But like, what does that mean? And the thing is, like, when you're raised in like an immigrant household, that usually just means like, go to college, get a full time job and save as much money as you can in your bank account. And that's a totally acceptable way of going about it. That's how I went about it. And I'm sure many of you are as well. But I think the nice part about millennials and Gen Z is that we're open to talking about money. And as women, I feel like we're not as well versed or comfortable with talking about money as our male counterparts. And I'd like to change that. And so that's something for you guys to look forward to. We are going to do some episodes talking about, you know, salary and pay and money and investments and 
maybe NFTs. I don't know. I haven't hashed all of it out yet. But before I get to those episodes, because it is going to be a little while before those come out, I just wanted to talk about your mindset around money because so many of us are raised, like I always say, like women are taught to save money, men are taught to generate wealth. And because like there's this idea that like if I give a woman $25,000, she's just going to go out and spend it on the designer bag and that's it. And like men are going to invest it in the stock market and, you know, make more money out of it or start a business. And like, first of all, and like that's not a South Asian thing. That just seems like an across the board, like gender disparity thing. And it's like it's such an eye roll because like. I know that if somebody gave me 25 grand, I would 100% invest it probably in my own business and getting this podcast to be bigger and just literally turn it into wealth, okay? I would invest it somewhere. It would not get spent like frivolously as if I've, I don't know what to do with the money. And that's one thing I've noticed why women struggle with money is because no one taught us any of it. None of our, you know, I guess dads, because they're usually the ones who manage the money, like taught us how to invest, taught us what stock portfolios were, taught us like how to manage different things. And one of my goals for this year is to become more financially literate because like other than like the bare basics, I don't know a ton. And over the years, I've been gaining little bits and pieces of more knowledge. And so the biggest thing that I've noticed is it's always like a mindset thing. Like knowing about how to manage money has less to do with like how to like save it and invest it and more to like how to think about money. Because I think when you're an immigrant, like we're in so much scarcity mindset and like survival mode that our parents were just like, you don't spend money on anything. It's always about what you need. Do you need this? Do you need that? And if you don't need it, you shouldn't spend money on it. And that makes you extremely uncomfortable and hesitant around money and spending it and not having like immediate access to it, which can make things like investing extremely difficult because you feel like if the money's not in my bank account, does it even exist? And it does if you put it somewhere else. And if you talk to people who have money, people who are millionaires and billionaires, when you hear from them, literally they will all tell you none of them have a savings account because your money's not doing anything for you in a savings account. And once you've kind of like saved up a, even like a small amount, like a few thousand dollars, like you should be getting that to work for you to make more of itself while you sleep. Because other things you have to keep in mind is that wealth accrues faster than income. So if you're just counting on your income to make you wealthy, it's not going to happen because the rate at which your income increases is nowhere near as quickly as wealth increases. And by wealth, I mean things like assets and investments, real estate investments, stocks. I guess nowadays it's like crypto and NFTs, like all of that is multiplying faster than your income. Like we all have those like stock friends, right? The ones who like have their own little portfolios and like they're always checking 
to see how like their stocks are doing. And they'll say like, oh, you know, in the last 24 hours, like I just made $800. And it's like literally in their sleep. So imagine if you're doing that repeatedly over a long period of time. That's how we're generating wealth. And so that's something I would like to focus on on some episodes we do this year. Um, And the other thing, when you're raised by immigrants, you're taught, like we were saying, that money, you just look at money differently because you look at it as a scarce resource that like you have to hoard. And like, if you lose it, you might never get it back. But like being married to like Michael and the way his family manages money, it's like totally different. And yes, like you can sit here and we can talk about privilege and we can talk about all of that stuff. But like just seeing the change in the way that they handle money, it's like mind blowing. Like my husband does not at all have a scarcity mindset about money. Like sometimes I really think he thinks money grows on trees. And I'm like, honey, uh, and like that, like it took a long time for me to get past that. And because I would have so much anxiety about like us spending money or him going out and like spending money because I would do this stupid thing that even he had to call me out on where I would like ask him to buy stuff. And he's like, why are you asking me? Like, I don't he's like, you could do whatever you want. Like, it's not a big deal. And I, it was hard because sometimes when he would buy something that was expensive, I would get, be kind of taken aback because I was like, oh, that was a lot of money to spend. And then he's like, he literally had to sit me down and be like, Disha, it's not always about need because you don't need something if you buy it. Like, you can just get it because you want it. And I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, but like, just that moment in its, of itself when this man literally said, I don't need it. I just wanted it. It's fine. It's not a big deal. There are things in our society, and this is not like stuff you learn in school. This isn't stuff you learn like anywhere unless you're like exposed to the right places and people that can teach you. And my one piece of advice, and I know like as an immigrant, it almost feels like it goes against everything I know, but it's to get a financial advisor. Those people, a good one, one that you can trust and one that is willing to work with you and not talk at you. I find that is tough to come by because most of them look at you as women and they're just talking at you and not to you like you might understand what they're saying um, because they're the people that can help you generate wealth and help you figure out how to do your finances because the tax code in this country is purposely made to be so complicated so that the poor stay poor and the wealthy stay wealthy because they know how to navigate it because they have access to the resources and people who can help them navigate it. I mean, think about it. Jeff Bezos paid $0 in taxes this year. You think that happened by accident? No. And so the thing and the thing is like financial advisors, like when you think about like, oh, the money it costs to have them, it comes out of the money they're generating for you. So like Really, it's not even like you don't even really have to think about it because like say you work with them for a year and they take, I don't know, 5%. I don't know what percentage they take. But if they generate $20,000 for you, they're taking 5% out of that. So it's not like you have to pay them like up front. You know what I mean? And so those people, they're not just helping you with like generating wealth. They're helping you as you get older and you have kids to like, how do we make sure they have a financially stable future? 
how do we make sure that they have money coming in, even when they're kids and they don't know? Or how do we, when you're applying for things like student loans or financial aid, how do we sort of set it up so that they can get the sort of financial aid they might need to go to college? Those are all things financial advisors can do for you. And I had no fucking clue until I got married. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? Because, you know, like, I feel like when I was a kid, first of all, I tried to navigate FAFSA and college and loans, all of it by myself. And it was really, really hard. And I wish I had these resources then and I don't. So that's why I'm sharing this with you. Um, and even like when they would like Mike and Alex, his twin brother, like growing up, like they would talk about just the way their family treated money and you know, in our culture, like people give you cash, right? Every time you meet somebody new or you visit their house, they give you cash. And that's great. But now look at coming from a family like my husband, whose grandparents at their birthday parties would give them bonds, stocks and bonds for what they got for their birthdays. $25, $50 every birthday, every Christmas. And those one single bond which is a government issue bond, right? So it's backed by the government. It's like a safe investment to make. You know, they cure in 20 years, most of them. And a single one could cure to be worth like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And then you have these kids who grew up getting them their whole life, not to like put out my husband's finances to the world, but like, you know, just the way that they were taught that like, this isn't just a gift of like cash to go buy yourself something right now. It's the long-term investment in you. And I know I'm sure there's lots of you listening that have kids and are like, we already like do stuff like that, right? Like I give my kids stocks instead of the tooth fairy, giving them 25 cents. You know, we buy them a stock or we buy them bonds, whatever. But when you're younger, for those of you who are listening who are maybe just in college, that's like stuff I don't know about you, but nobody talked to me about. So I thought I would pass that along. Because remember, most people who are wealthy were born that way. Generational wealth is a huge determinant of financial stability. And if you're a child of immigrants, chances are there's probably not a ton of generational wealth because, you know, your parents came here and they started from the bottom. They started with nothing. And so, for people like me who like I'm married to a man whose family has been here for a couple generations, it makes me super insecure about my own financial backing because I feel like I have to now like catch up for lost time because, you know, I have a lot of friends whose families have been here for a couple generations. And, you know, this conversation came up about general generational wealth. And it's like a lot of them have you know, things in some sort of inheritances coming their way, whether that's investments or real estate and property, um, life insurance payouts, like all these things that set them up with a stable financial future that sometimes I feel like I have to work twice as hard to catch up with. And so hopefully some of these finance-based episodes that I'm going to do in the future will help. Some of you who are listening feel like maybe you can try to catch up or at least feel a little bit more comfortable with your finances. All right, moving on. The next thing I wanted to talk about 
was changing the way we think about our lifestyles and not apologizing for it. I know so many of you probably have goals for things like losing weight or getting enough sleep or living a healthier lifestyle. That's usually what New Year's resolutions kind of um, revolve around. And if you want to achieve those goals, if you're serious about achieving them, stop apologizing for your lifestyle choices. Stop apologizing for choosing not to drink or drink minimally or not wanting to go out late or having regular gym days because all of those things get you called boring. I know because people call me boring because I am and I don't care. Like, yeah, I there was like a good three years, probably more, where I didn't drink at all. I was completely sober for health reasons. And now I drink socially, but again, like very rarely, maybe once a month. And a lot of people gave me flack for it. A lot of people called me boring and uptight and like, why don't you loosen up? And it was really frustrating looking back. I don't I don't really know how I managed to just like not care what they thought. Um, but yeah, I just just stop caring about what other people think about your choices. If you're choosing to go you know, low carb or keto or vegan, whatever diet you want to be on, or maybe you just want to eat healthier. Maybe you're not on a diet, but like you're trying not to eat so many processed carbs, like then do that. Own it. Don't let other people call you boring or like, oh, like, why are you so obsessed with food or whatever? It's just like, these are, this is your life. And when it comes to things like health, trust me, nobody else is going to take care of you for you especially if you're sick. Like investing in yourself is never a bad thing. Investing in your well-being, in your health, in your sanity, like they are never bad decisions. And so if you are deciding you want to have a healthier relationship with food or you want to start going to the gym three times a week and you're going to go every, I don't know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and some Friday nights that might mean meeting your friends a little bit later than expected at the bar or whatever people do on Friday night, like then do that. Own it. Don't let them shame you into feeling bad because you know what? You're doing something to better yourself and be a better person and you 100% should own that. So I hope if you are setting goals like that, that you don't let society tell you negative things about yourself because you're trying to become a better person. Like, that's bullshit. Leave the bullshit at the door and do you, okay? People think I'm a weirdo for my obsession with the sauna. And yet, it seems to be working just fine for me. You know, I go to the gym a lot. You guys know this. I'm a bit of a gym rat. And I've always said, I'm like, I go to the gym because it's an investment in myself, okay? I'd rather pay for my gym membership than pay a medical bill. It's just that simple. I work in the physical rehab world. I know what it looks like to not take care of yourself. I know the impact it has on your body, not just now in your 20s and 30s, but also down the road when you're 60 and 70. I've met 55-year-olds that look like they're 100, and I've met 70, 80-year-olds that look like they're 55. And it is all about taking care of yourself. So do what you got to do. Don't apologize for it. And while we're on the topic of not apologizing, another thing we really need to stop apologizing for is like being cultured enough 
or being brown enough or raising children that are cultured enough or proud enough of being South Asian because I understand that right now in 2022, it's very trendy to be South Asian. You know, we're finally being represented in media, in Costco, you can buy Diwali sweets. There's all kinds of like small businesses popping up selling things that will allow you to carry your culture into your home. And that is amazing. That's great. If it was something that serves you or brings value to your life, please continue doing it. But what I don't want to see, because I feel like we've been slowly falling into this trap of what our parents used to do to us, was what, which was comparing each other and our children, born or unborn, with like the burden of carrying on the culture. Like, you know, the biggest thing that comes up in like these interracial relationship groups is baby names. It's like, oh, like my baby's going to have an Indian first name because their last name is American or white or whatever. Or like, you know, we're going to make sure our kids can speak the language or we're going to buy them all these like multicultural books so that they can be super cultured. And that's amazing. Like, that's great. Do you? But don't, as women, especially, we have all this pressure to like, you have to carry the culture on. You have to pass the traditions on. You have to do. And guess what's happening? You're seeing these people put all that pressure on their children. Let's nip that in the bud while we're ahead, shall we? Like, listen, if you don't want to give your kid a South Asian name, don't. If you want to name them John Smith, go for it. Do you, girlfriend? If you don't think prioritizing or this, quite frankly, struggle it is to pass on the language to your child is worth it because you're busy and you're working and you have a house to maintain and all these other priorities. That's fine. It's okay. Like, please take this like massive amount of pressure that like people are putting on themselves. And the thing is, I feel it and I don't have kids. Like, please, like tone it down. Because that's what our parents did to us. They were like, you have to be cultured enough. You have to be brown enough. You have to be more Indian. You have to speak the language. You have to whatever. And it's just like, you think like, oh, we like finally step are stepping out of this. But then you realize like, because we all went and like dated outside of our culture, we've like doubled down on that pressure on ourselves that is then getting projected on our children. So like, it's okay. It's okay if they don't know how to speak Gujarati or Farsi or whatever language you speak. It's okay if they don't want to watch Bollywood movies. Listen, I haven't watched a Bollywood movie in at least 15 years. This is why I get called the whitewashed brown girl. Every time somebody makes a K3G reference, I usually don't get it because I haven't watched that movie since I was like 10. Okay? I still feel uncomfortable around large groups of South Asian women. I'm okay with like one or two, maybe three. Anything beyond that, I immediately start to feel inadequate. And I immediately can't relate and feel too white and too Americanized. And if we're going to pass that on to our kids, I'm just not sure how that ends well. So it's fine. Take the pressure off of yourself. You can raise your kids to be just American because we live in America. And if that works for you and that's how you want to do it, then do it. 
Do not sit here and let somebody, especially your family members, be like, oh, are you going to give them an Indian name? Oh, are they going to know the language? Bitch, I know brown people who married other brown people whose children do not speak the language, who have never been to temple, who barely know how to put their Indian clothes on. So tone it down, okay? Just ignore all those people. Do what's best for you. Do what's best for your family. And keep on keeping on, folks. And this last one is slightly more of a personal goal, but it comes around the topic of redefining success. And again, as New Year's resolution goes, many people, you know, have goals around their career and their job and maybe asking for that raise or saving so much money or whatever. Um, For me, I have worked really hard to kind of redefine that for myself um, and taking some of the pressure off because I think I'm somebody who is pretty type A and puts a ton of pressure on like making sure she does all the work and like is always doing her best and giving it 100%. And I still do that. Um, But one trend I've been noticing when people talk to me, especially in this community, um, is I people talk like, oh, you do all these things, you do so many different things and you balance it all. And you've, I feel like people think I paint this like perfect picture. Um, And I don't. And I just want to remind everyone, the girl boss is dead and we would like to keep her in the grave. I'm not trying to be a girl boss. I'm just trying to do more of what makes me happy and less of the bullshit. So that is my new goal. Just do more of what makes you happy and try to fill up your time with as much of those things and try to minimize the bullshit because the bullshit's always going to be there. So all we can do is try to keep it to a minimum and focus on the other good stuff, spending time with the people we care about, doing things that make us happy, you know, and keeping our sanity because sometimes I think that's like for me, like the bare minimum. It's like, I just expect myself to stay like mentally stable and not freak out. So there's that. And my last, last, last goal for this year is to connect more with you guys, with this community and the people who tune in because I know I've heard from a few of you. I hear from you guys once in a while in my DMs, but I know a whole bunch of you have never popped in to say hi and I would love to get to know you all more because you guys are my people I love hearing your stories you know hearing what you think about this show if there's something that I can do differently or if you just want to pop in and say hello um, definitely do that I am trying to make an effort to sort of expand that reach a little bit so some things to look forward to this year one thing I definitely want to do is like a virtual hangout whether that's like crafts and cocktails or just like some sort of like zoom hangout sessions maybe even if I can do them like once in a while where you guys can like virtually hang out with me and we can just like chat and bullshit and I don't know that's an idea if you have a better one please let me know but that's all I have come up with so far Um, but otherwise feel free to drop in some ideas say hello and I will see you guys next time bye Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Make sure if you enjoyed this episode, you leave us a review on iTunes. You can find the show on all major streaming platforms. You can find me on Instagram at disha.mazeppa. You can shop my Etsy shop, Disha Mazeppa Designs. Find out everything you want to know about this show at dishamazeppa.com. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest, you can email bwwpspodcast at gmail.com. 
and I'll see you guys next time. Bye. This podcast is hosted and produced by Disha Mystery Mazeppa. Music for the show was created by Crexwell. 